DXP, digital experience. What's the P again? Platform. Platform. <laughs> All right. I'm not even in this industry. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 157 of the Rockstar CMO Epping Marketing Podcast. I'm your host Ian Truscott. I'm no rockstar, but on this weekly podcast, I chat with the true rockstars, my fabulous guests and chums that I've met on my journey from techie to CMO, sharing their marketing street knowledge in a show that Jason Falls described as a variety show for marketing. Come say hello, we are Rockstar CMO on LinkedIn or Twitter. I'll include links to me, my guests and all the things we talk about in the show notes on rockstarcmo.com and we are proud members of the Marketing Podcast Network. It's Saturday the 11th of March. Thank you for joining us. I hope you've had a good week and you are well and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. If you listened last week, you'll know that Jeff is on holiday. So in a change to our regular programming, this week is a bit of a content advisory takeover as not only will I finish the show with a regular visit to the Rockstar CMO virtual bar with their chief troublemaker Robert Rose I start the show with a really fun chat with my chum Kathy McKnight their chief problem solver and lead analyst but first we need to pay the bar tab I'll be back in a moment we'll be right back You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. If you're a regular listener or you're in the content management industry, you'll be very familiar with Kathy McKnight, who's been a regular on the show and has over 20 years of global experience and expertise in content strategy, content operations, customer experience, and related technologies. As the Content Advisory's Chief Problem Solver and Lead Analyst, Kathy helps organizations transform how they approach content operations and technology and has helped dozens of companies realize their marketing and communication objectives by focusing on bridging leadership, content, business process and technology strategies into a practical roadmaps. I started with a simple question about an industry acronym, but as so often happens when I chat with Kathy, it didn't stop there. I really hope you enjoy this conversation. Welcome back, Kathy, to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you? I'm well, Ian. Thanks for having me back. No, you're very welcome. And um, for people that, uh, well, you were last on episode 138. I think you're a three-time or maybe a four-time guest, aren't you? I mean, I think this might be our fourth. Yeah. yeah splendid. So you just... People are going to start to talk. <laughs> if they're not yeah, already talking This is how you, rumors get started. <laughs> if they're not already talking about you, Kathy, then I don't know what's going on in the world. So <laughs> you were last on the channel episode 138. Uh, for those that didn't listen to that, how dare they? Um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, all right. Well, I am a uh, content hashtag all the things um, <laughs> expert. Um, yeah. So, been working in the content realm for all of my career, actually. Whether it's been on the writing or the technical, um, I've coded, I've developed strategy, operations. These days, I hang my hat alongside my colleague Robert Rose with mm. the content advisory. And we work with organizations around the world, helping them with their content strategy operations um, and generally approach how to get content to be a more strategic function of the organization. And uh, I love doing what I do. The clients that we get to work with, is, uh, it's truly a privilege. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love what you do. And also, um, yeah, I mean, I've, 
I've enjoyed you presenting at events that I've run and stuff like that. And it's, it's a pleasure to hang out with you, Kathy. You really know your stuff. And I also don't mind every now and again giving up this podcast to the content advisory, basically, with you and Robert. On it, so. <laughs> yeah, if you ever want to go on holiday, just have Robert and I do your episode for the week. Yeah, I mean, the listener has definitely heard the words the content advisory a few times. <laughs> so, so thank you very much for joining me again, Kathy. Now, the reason, I mean, aside from the fact we both enjoy a good old chin about the industry anyway um the reason why i want to have you back on is because uh, and and it's it's one of those acronym things right you and i are always chatting about these acronyms and but i'm seeing something new pop up in my feeds and in in the world of what we probably crusty old practitioners used to call content management and content management systems um dxc digital experience composition right so we've heard of dxp digital experience What's the P again? Platform. Platform. <laughs> All right. How long have you been in this industry? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. There's so many of these bloody TLAs. Um, so, but, uh, that, uh, sorry, back to this DXC thing. So this digital experience composition thing seems to be riffing on the idea of composable marketing technology and this whole headless thing that we've been hearing a lot about. So as a practitioner out there in the field, doing all the things, as you described, I wanted to get your perspective. So shall we start with the, the composable marketing technology bit, the core of this thing? What's your view sure. on that? So uh, anybody who's heard me speak on the tech side of things, so as you mentioned, I've, I've, I've spoken on behalf and with vendors, I've done them at open conferences, that kind of thing. And I am Having come from a world where I've worked for the big acronyms, IBM, PwC, I think it's one of those things where we just need to start talking more simply. Um, Our industry has been so confusing. We went from CMS to WMS to WMC to WMP. Like, it's just like (laughs) too many letters, right? So, you know, from a composition standpoint, I have always been of the mindset that there is no one ring to rule tomorrow. Mm-hmm. No matter how great a platform is, no matter how many parts of a suite or how all-encompassing their solution claims to be, there are always going to be bits and pieces that don't fit that particular vendor. Now, that's not to say, or that particular client, rather. So that's not to say that they shouldn't go all in with these big vendors um, and maximize the use of the pieces and parts that work for them but they should always be looking to say what suits us yeah. best. And you know, there's been a few um, vendors in our industry who over the years, actually one in particular that I won't mention. <laughs> Ooh, um, <laughs> you know, one of the things, one of the things I used to love yeah. about them was the fact that they played so well in the sandbox with others. They could do so many yeah. things, but it's like, hey, you want to use our CMS? Great. You want to use our CMS and our, and our commerce solution? Fantastic. You want to just use commerce? I'm okay with that. And it was all about enabling the organization. So, you know, composability, I think, is is the foundation of success, regardless of the size of organization. Yeah, yeah. And you you touch on a couple of things there, and I'm going to wander a little bit off of the scripts of what I was going to ask you about, because I think what you said there about a particular vendor who's now locking in and, uh, and saying, we are now let's imagine they call themselves a DXP. And now if you're, if you need to do, imagine that, (laughs) imagine that if you need to do anything, basically digital, then have we got the solution for you? Um, But do you think, I mean, like way, way, way back in the day, I remember when we were all WCM vendors and WCM was the thing talking about the acronyms, web content management. And then there was a big push by the analysts and by the vendors to then talk about ECM. Um, enterprise content right. management and really that didn't catch light right the, the, the basically the buyers continued to buy solutions to drive their websites they didn't buy this ecm thing do you think that's uh, to what you were saying about that that particular vendor do you, do, you, do you think they risk losing their their buyer because they'll move into this other space and the buyer's going no 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 i just want a wcm so i'm going to go over here because there are about a fucking billion of them right so- <laughs> <laughs> there are now with all the micro and the yeah. headless and yeah. composability yeah. yeah so i do i think they run a bit of a risk when it comes time to to reassess as to whether or not the solution still fits yeah so we've seen, we've, you know, you and I have both mm-hmm. seen technologies where they've 
many, they, they all follow suit, right? They, yeah. they stick with the first acronym and then it starts, to, another one yeah. starts to pick up speed. So then they pivot and they start saying they're that yeah. some of them go whole, whole hog and like yeah. completely lose the bits and pieces. Yeah. I've got to say, that's one thing that open text, although, you know, open text, Ooh. huge yeah, yeah. content management company that yeah. nobody knows about. Yeah. Um, that's one thing they didn't do. They, they kept the bits and pieces and the terminology. Mm-hmm. So you could always find yourself where you were to where they are now. So yeah. I think that's one thing they actually did well. Again, nobody knows about them, but that's okay. That's a whole <laughs> other conversation. Um, that, could, that could be another episode. Oh, where are they now? <laughs> well, I tell you what, I mean, they had, a, they had the um, reputation for where w, uh, Web Content Management Solutions went to die, right? I mean, they were die. just collecting well, everybody, yeah, weren't they? Because they'd buy them and then not do anything yeah, out of them, right? They'd, yeah. use, they'd, they'd leveraging the, the, the license and yeah. anyways whole other conversation. Um, so I, I think, you know, one of the things that organizations need to educate themselves, and I don't say this just because we help organizations select mm-hmm. technology, is that's where that neutral third party comes in, because yeah. you and I understand the landscape, right? You yeah. can do a search for, you know, DXP, DXC, WCM, whatever the acronym, yeah. and it will very lovely on your page display you side by each four or five different technologies, they all have the tick boxes across all of the rows. And you're never, you you don't know if you, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're not in the industry and if you don't understand what they're offering, what the difference is. So, you know, getting back to the whole acronym thing, um, I think that's one thing we need to step away from and really focus on the requirements. requirements. What does your business need? What are the gaps you're trying to fill? Or where are you forecasting to be that you need to build the solution to support that yeah we're often talking about that on this podcast and i think that that's so essential but also i think you know when you say about having this third party it isn't all i mean you you pay me a lovely compliment to say that i know the industry you know the industry kathy um but if we were to um but to have somebody third party come in, it keeps that discipline, doesn't it? Because there's always people on the team who've seen something shiny and they go, I want this. And they're incredibly emotional about wanting it. I want this. It's shiny. And you've got to say, well, what do you actually need? What are the requirements? What do you have already? And all that kind of stuff. And that's, and I think that's kind of, we've, we've, we've gone to the basics here, haven't we, Kathy? Because that, I mean, that's what some of these acronyms are all about, aren't they? They're the shiny. They're the thing the IT guy is going to get all excited about. And he's going to really want, I need this headless thing. Well, why? Why do you need headless? What's it going to do for the business and stuff? Yes. Okay. So that's, so we started with my first question, which was, let's <laughs> start with Composable Marketing Technology. What's your view? So yes, uh, and then my follow-up to that, and I think you've already answered it, is, is it something new? I mean, we've always had this debate between monoliths and big vendors and best-of-breed approach, and I think you've already expressed that, right? It, 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 nothing has changed in, in essence, right? No, it really hasn't. One, I, actually, yeah. I shouldn't say it. So the one thing that has changed are these microservice API-based yeah. solutions where they're coming in and they're they're acting more as a connective tissue then they are about, they have no, right now, you know, mark my words here, right now they don't have any <laughs> any vision or it doesn't appear that they're looking long-term to be the one ring to rule them all. Although there, I've had a couple of conversations with some of them where they talk about their, you know, their wedge strategy. Oh, we're going to get in and just do this little bit and then we're going to take over and displace a domain, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're really not. Um, yeah. But I think hang more, on. But I'm going to put a pin in that because I'm quite interested in that point of view. Okay. Carry on. But I do. I think the one thing that has changed is there are vendors on the market now who are truly out there to service a specific function. They're not looking yeah. to, and they're and and they're all about playing with others. That is the baseline mm-hmm. of their success: is being able to integrate with an existing stack. And uh, yeah. that they're not going in saying, "Oh yeah, you need to get rid of this and you need to get rid of that." Yeah. They're like, "We can work with that." Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's, and I guess so it's a change of culture in terms of the fact that vendors are being a bit more open about this. Whereas what we're saying is it's always been a requirement within a, within a marketing technology stack that it needs to be what the cool kids now call composable. Yes. Um, and so we've always said that they need to integrate together. I think we use those old fashioned terms, yes. like integration. Yeah, we were talking about <laughs> composability way before it was hip and cool. <laughs> well, get me on headless and decoupled, my friend. Yes, absolutely. But the, <laughs> but the, uh, what, are, what did I put up in? Oh, the other, yes. Well, I thought that was interesting what you were saying about people, uh, vendors wanting to go in and depose Adobe. 
agree with you on that. And I think there's also related to that conversation we were having just now about staying in your lane Mm -hmm. is when you talk to vendors and they're like, oh, we're going to go enterprise. And it's like, really? You know what I mean? Like it's a whole different, and maybe you can, but you're going to have to realize that's a whole different sales cycle. It's a whole different muscle for your business. It's, and yet you're incredibly successful where you are. Why, what, where's the shame in, in looking after mid-market, right? Where's the shame in that or small organizations? You know, if you can make the commercials work, that's, that's a fine place to be, isn't it? Well, it is. And, and you and I have both seen, I can think of two in particular, who lost their way because they were determined to move out of the mid-market and be, you know, play with the, with the big guns yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and try and beat out Adobe. I mean, 10 years ago, yeah. not even 10 years ago, say eight years ago, that's all we heard. Yes. We want to beat Adobe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to beat Adobe. We'd ask you yeah. know, companies when we went in to do, you know, as an analyst, I, I'm talking with vendors yeah. all the time. And one of the questions I always ask when we're doing a briefing is, you know, who do you see as your competition? Mm-hmm. We would have these little, very small, like at the bottom end of the SMB market, <laughs> mid-market, yeah. say, oh, Adobe. Yeah. I'm like, listen, if you and Adobe are yeah. in the same room, one of you is in the wrong room. Like uh, just, yeah. that or the, or the person making the acquisition, the, the decision has no clue, you know, <laughs> yeah. because you're not terrible and yeah. that's okay. You know, mm. um, even Adobe now is approaching the market in a little less Absolutely. sweet yeah. approach, right? We've got all these bits yeah. and pieces and come use us as you can. And certainly, you yeah. know, SaaS and, and, um, and managed services have leveled the playing ground. So, you know, all of those people who were trying to beat the 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 big ones, you know, the sort of the big four yeah. five at the enterprise game, you know, those five have yeah. now very successfully moved into the mid market because they can. So yeah, and and also and also, I mean, that whole um, strategy of we want to be Adobe, there is already an Adobe. Thank you. <laughs> right? Why don't you? try and be you you know whatever your differentiation whatever if somebody wants to buy adobe they'll buy adobe they won't buy like adobe you know unless you can offer something significantly different this is like adobe only 50 percent of the price oh fair enough right but you know where's the value there's a long-term value in that the other thing i want to say um in the point you made the pin i put into our conversation about an hour ago um, <laughs> I remember we were getting back to that. <laughs> is um, this idea of beachhead? I I'm quite attracted to this idea, and the reason why is because it, we've seen tools like Slack and those kinds of things kind of get walked into our enterprises like almost by accident, and suddenly the enterprise depends on them, right? Yes. And I wondered with some of these smaller niche players they kind of get in with the development community. They build a couple of websites on it and then suddenly they're in and the beachhead has been made. Right? Yep. And then, they're, they're, and then um, if they, if they're proven well enough, then various, do, do you see that as a strategy for vendors? And do you see that as a, you know, do you see that with your clients that that can happen sometimes all of a sudden, Oh, hang on a minute. We've already got a web content management solution. 17 of the developers are using it over there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's about making yourself useful. So, you know, you think about any job that you and I do, we get hired to do one thing, but when, once we get in there, we see what really needs to be done. Technology is very similar. If it's adaptable and amenable to being used in different ways and to be really molded to fit an organization's um, needs to fill the gap, that's when it becomes productive. Make it, make it infinitely adoptable. For, forget yeah, about yeah. how it's implemented or how it's, you know, how it gets rolled out. It's about making yeah. it so that the users want to use it, that they don't have to retrain every time they go in, that they're, yeah. that's it, that it's intuitive, that it's actually solving a problem for them. That's one, I mean, yeah. one of the things with DXC is all about um, the connectivity from a workflow perspective, right? It's about right. connecting all the solutions from, from ideation to archive for the content mm-hmm. creators and then from, you know, first, first digit of code to, yeah. you know, the, the final, final QC release yeah. and making that interactable between the two. That's one of the things there's always been this great wall between the business mm-hmm. and technology. And yeah. that's one thing that the DXC has going for it is that it kind of, it doesn't, I don't think it removes the wall as some people would like you to believe, but it certainly, <laughs> it certainly makes it 
traversable, right? Like you're able to, right. you know, hop or climb or whatever the analogy you want to right. use. Um, right. And a line of sight between those two teams can only make things better. Yeah. So this is about, um, oh, I'm, I'm going to have to try. I should make notes while you're talking. And I should, and, but um, this is, this, so this DXC kind of strategy or this composable strategy is about, isn't about breaking down silos and replacing them with one big silo. It's about connecting the silos, as you're saying. And some of that are workflow and process silos, Correct. right? Is that we want to connect. And you're saying that we can then connect from ideation all the way to publish with these. And that's the way we need to think when we're putting our stacks together, right? That's exactly it. I'm, I've been a big proponent and, and talked a lot about, about the, the uh, permeability of silos. So yeah. it's, it's not about throwing open the door and letting a flash flood of, of people or information <laughs> or processes through. It's about yeah. sh- having that transparency where it makes sense. Now, everybody's mm-hmm. going to have a little bit of a different perspective on that, which I totally mm-hmm. appreciate. But it's about not making it super secret. Um, and whether it's on the business side within the business teams, whether it's across between the technology and the business teams, even up to the executive level. So mm. you know, we see organizations, Salesforce is pervasive across, I, I don't mm. think we've had an organization that we've worked with in the last probably five to eight <laughs> years that hasn't had some form of Salesforce. It's just, it's yeah. out, like, it's, it's in there, it's usable, um, it's yeah. accessible, it's, you know, because it was never on-prem you know, it's mm. easily adopted, whether it's adopted successfully, that's, you know, that's a whole, again, adoption. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The next conversation is how do you get technology to be adopted? Um, yeah. well, but that's, if I can just, if I can just interrupt you there, that's the way Salesforce grew, right? Way back in the day is that the sales guys just started using it with a $99 license or whatever, despite yep. the fact that they had one of a massive incumbent already in place. And, yep. and they did that thing. They did that beachhead, didn't they? Sorry, carry on. That's okay. So, and it's, so it's about understanding and setting up your governance so that people can see into the different bits and pieces and the data and whether it's a lake or an ocean or, you know, whether, wherever you're storing (laughs) it. Um, You know, one of the things we see so often people are like, oh, you know, I have to, how do I communicate all of this? It's like, okay, you have Tableau. Set up an executive dashboard, set up a manager's dashboard, set up a tactical dashboard, and then just give access to everybody. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. what's the soup? Like, don't, I'm not talking about opening up the, you know, HRIS or the, the FinServe on the, on the business. But when it comes to performance and when it comes to content and audience experience and, and mm. who's working on what, why is it so super secret? Why does it have yeah. to be the shout, the shroud over everything? Yeah, yeah. Oh, we've seemed to have hit on a, a little um, hobby horse for you there, I think. Yeah, um, so. yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, I love it. I spend, I spend a lot I of time th- helping companies with their, their content operations. And yeah. the number of times we get asked, well, why do they need to know that? And my response yeah. is always, well, why shouldn't they know no. it? Yeah, exactly. exactly. And rarely is there a good reason. <laughs> and I, yeah, but also I think with this, com- I mean, if we stick with the terminology here of composable marketing technology, it, it requires a different set of skills, doesn't it? Because as you're saying, it's okay, yeah, just slap Tableau over the top of it, right? That, that's, there's some skills in there, right? Oh, 100%. The, tool. <laughs> the tool's not going to do it for you, right? And trust me, I've had it go. And I'm not, I mean, yeah, okay, so I might be a bit ring rusty, but, but you open that bad boy up and it's like, whoa, right? So um, it, 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 there, some of this is, is about, I mean, we're straying a little bit off the topic here of DXC, but in order to do these things that the vendors are talking about and the analysts are talking about around things like DX, DXC, you've really got to look at the skills in your marketing team, haven't you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, And that's another thing where, from a technology perspective, and one of the challenges, quite frankly, that composability creates is because it's infinitely easier to acquire and implement (laughs) because there's a path of least resistance, right? A lot of them, 30-day free trial, so they'll have, and like full not not limited, like full out kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. you've got, you know, the tech team or even part of the marketing team, maybe content team, trying out unbeknownst to anybody else. Yeah. You know, yeah. three, four, maybe five different technologies. And then you get yeah. the these siloed groups going, Oh, well, I like this one. Well, I like that one. Yeah. And yeah. because they're geared to one maybe function or another, yeah. which again, that's the whole point of composability yeah. is to be able to integrate the tools, but you know, you think about trying to unravel the spaghetti. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, two things there. One is I was going to ask you about from a vendor's perspective is there's that balance for them, isn't it, of um, product-led growth, where they're trying to tease people enough that you get enough free functionality, but you've actually got to, you know, get deep enough in, under the skin of the organization. That, oh, God, now we've got to pay. And then the other thing is, the other thing is, is understanding that these things are uh, they're not free beer. They're free puppies. Right. <laughs> These, this is the, the thing that always gets me about when you're talking about, oh, but it's only ninety nine dollars. Think about how much time it's going to take to get that integrated to anything, to get that reporting through Tableau or whatever tool you choose. That's yep. going to be where the cost is, isn't it? In making this work in this new I mean, this composable marketing technology um, world doesn't happen by itself, does it? No. And I mean, that's, that, that's the funniest thing is even to this day, because, you know, back when, you know, when we first started in the industry and pretty much everything was on prem, um, you know, you'd go through and yeah, sure. You can get a, you know, insert agents or insert vendor here license for a million dollars. How come, how come the, the bid, the overall bid is, is 3.5. Yes. Well, because you're looking at a one five to three x license yeah, yeah, yeah. to yeah. implement and operate, and people were yeah. gobsmacked. Like yeah, yeah. It, it for unless they'd been through it before, they were always surprised. It's like, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, some more difficult than others. But composability doesn't take away that factor. It may lessen it a bit, but it doesn't take it away. <laughs> I, I, I this is this is going in all sorts of wonderful directions, Kathy. This is fascinating. So, but. And do you think that's gone? Like, I, re- I mean, I remember those times, absolutely. So even if the software was two and up, it was £250,000 or dollars, right, you knew that 3x was going to be services, so the whole bill was going to be a million, right? That's just the way things were. Do you think that's been forgotten with, with SaaS solutions yes. and these lower price things that people don't realise? Actually, three t- it's going to cost you three times more than whatever that is on the monthly monthly thing. Yes, I do. I think they think they hear managed services, they hear SaaS, they hear like they don't need any on-prem stuff. So then, you know, gone are all the servers and this and that and and cut over and redundancy and blah, 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 you know, insert all of the buzzwords from from the early 2000s. But they don't appreciate the fact that it still takes bodies to maintain, that there's there's still a service level agreement with your vendor so you want uptime you want to make sure that everything is being kept up to date you want to make sure that you know they're going to guarantee you that when they make a change by the way which you don't have a say on because it's automatically pushed that it's not going to muck about with what you already have implemented you know it's there's there's not it doesn't take away things it just gives you Mm. new things to work Mm. on and think about yeah yeah i was at an email marketing conference recently um and there, I've never seen a presentation like this before, but it was a, it was somebody who was presenting about their email marketing and they'd had a problem with their vendor and they were intending to talk about one thing they did was basically talk about the, the problems this vendor had created for them for, I don't know, and I, honestly, I mean, we've been to a lot of conferences. I've never seen anything. And it was in this little closed room and she wouldn't say the name of the vendor um, out loud. Oh, that's good. It was being recorded, but. <laughs> what had happened was that they changed part of their SaaS service and they had a connector to um I'm saying this under proviso that I'm assuming that what the lady said was correct right so if if any right. if yeah. any of this is litigious or anything like that it, I don't know but apparently they changed their gmail connector so what happened was they, the the vendor had made a, a code change but the the customer didn't realize what was happening and it had sucked all of the email addresses out of their gmail including personal email addresses to their their husbands and mothers and all sorts of things, put them into their email um, uh, d- database and then started sending them <laughs> emails, uh, promotional emails, completely breaking any laws of privacy and stuff like that. And they were in so, oh. yeah, and they were in so much trouble. And the vendor can yeah. when that happened and it was it was a complete mess. So. I think that there's a cautionary tale there, Kathy, because I only shared that because of what you just said, which is when you have a SaaS solution, you are not in control, unlike on-prem, where you can say, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to back everything up and be really, really careful, and then I'm going to do the update. An update happens yeah. over the weekend, and then suddenly everybody's fucked the next day. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm swearing too much. I'm sorry. And, then, and I did hear that a, re, a listener actually 
listen to this podcast while they're taking their child to school. So I'm going to have to mark this one as explicit. But um, <laughs> the, um, but you, you could be genuinely like, and, and, and you'd say, well, they're never going to do that because it would screw all of their customers. Well, that's happened sometimes, you know. So I think I don't know what you're going to do about it, but it's a cautionary tale. Anyway, anyway let me get back on some of the questions I was going to ask you. And um, I, I mean, we're going way long. I hope that's all right with you, Kathy. Oh, totally good. I love coming. Yeah. Uh, well, the one thing is, uh, if we flip round back to the vendor perspective, right? And we were looking at the, um, we were looking at the category, and we're looking at the DXE category. Um, one of the things that worries me about vendors that assign them, that align themselves with these tech things. So you have, you know, like you have headless and Mac and all of these terms. And and if you go on the homepage of some of these solutions, it says we are a headless solution or we're a Mac solution or whatever it is. Right. And in the olden days, you and I used to have it with open source. Right. Vendor would say we're the leading open source vendor. Now, back then, and I still think this today, that how is that a value to the buyer? Right. So I, what do you what's your view on this? I mean, do you, do, you, do you think this is the direction the vendor should be going? Yes, we're headless or we're Mac or composable or whatever. Or should they be talking about, I think I'm going to know the answer to this. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It's so inside baseball. Yes. Like even, even us talking about DXC yes. versus DXP yes. versus, yeah, yeah. you know what? We have right. yet to have a single <laughs> client yeah. ask us about a DXP. Really? They need a content. Wow. They need a content management yeah, yeah. system. They need a digital asset management yeah, yeah. system. They need an email s- s- uh, solution. Yeah, yeah. They need a content marketing solution. Yeah. They are not talking DXP. Yeah. That is so inside industry. Yeah. And look at that. And DXP is exactly the same way. The whole thing with yeah. Mock, listen, I think what Mock has done in the, what, two years that they've they've been in place, like since they, yeah. they started, has really raised an awareness and it's an opportunity for mm. education. It means nothing. Yeah nothing yeah. to customers it might mean something yeah. to the it team but i can tell you marketers well, I'll tell you what i think that some of these things are turning into they're t- turning a tick box on an rfp if, if people do rfps anymore which yes. is and, and it's just i'm just kidding and they hear about um I, i'm just yeah uh, that they they're hearing about some of these trends and they and i think we've always had this haven't we some 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 buyers is putting their rfp together they hear about something and say are you headless are you Mac or whatever? Mm-hmm. And that then gets taken as being an important thing that a vendor needs to tick the box of so they get involved with organization. And there's not, and I agree with you. I mean, it's incredible um, the, the, what the Mac Alliance has done in terms of where they went from. I mean, we both know Sonia, who's, who's one of the founders of that, right? And it yep. went from zero to to something quite significant in, in, in just a couple of years, which is amazing. But that's not to denigrate mac or headless or any of those things it's the idea that a vendor will put the, the all of their wood behind that particular arrow is that the right analogy yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. they should they should talk about what they what they're doing for the buyer and i think when you say dxp i think i'm talking too much for somebody who's doing an interview but anyway when you say dxp um how long has that been around for and yet that isn't resonating with the buyers what you just said right yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we've been talking DXP for about six years now, wow. five years, six years. Wow. Um, and it, it, it doesn't, mm. that's not, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, they may, they may use the terminology mm. um, because they're looking at websites yeah, yeah. of vendors who have those so, that call them the self that solution, yeah. but it's not what they're asking for, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, you know, full mea copa it may be because of the way we ask the mm. questions it's like well what are the gaps what do you need to do mm. well we need something to manage our content we need something that's going to help us publish more efficiently it's going to help us you know we need personalization but we have yet to have anybody ask us about a dxp using those letters yeah see that might be where you're going wrong so when somebody says to you we want to manage our content you should stop saying you need a content management system and say you need a dxp <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, except for I don't believe I, I don't agree. believe in DXPs. I really don't. I think it's one of the worst, worst terms we could have coined in our industry because there is no one solution out there, even for as extensive and as amazing as some of them are and what yeah. they offer. Yeah. They cannot do it all. No. So it is not. It, it's not the it, it the plat the DXP is mm. is the consolidation of everything that lets you go 
from the ideation through to the delivery of the amazing experience. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, I'm not. Sh- I mean, we're not. You, the other thing with a, with a buying cycle, all of the stars have to align that you need to do a scorched earth, <laughs> you know, on your yeah. on your entire Martech stack and say, oh, you know, we need to bring in this monolith of that's going to do the the DXP in for us, right? And I also think, I mean, the joke I was making there was that your clients are asking you for a con- to 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 better manage their content. And what better solution than that is a content management solution? I, and I, I would even argue, I mean, I, I used to rankle with things like, oh, why are we splitting CMS into CMS and DAM or CMS and WCM, right? So I'm, 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 all this DXP and stuff, I'm not sure about at all. I agree with you. But um, we were here to talk about DXC. And uh, one of the things I was going to ask you about is the composable strategy. You're definitely seeing clients adopting it, right, just to finalize on that. I mean, that is something that, and it's always yes yeah 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 Yeah, and we're advocate we advocate for it um so you know it's about finding the right solution if there is a if there is a bigger solution vendor that can provide and fill gaps and it works and it's and it's well suited then by all means go for it right sort of the the fewer people you have to wrangle probably the better Um, but that being said, it's we're we're seeing also less of the typical, you know, three to five year mm. cycle of, of rip and replace. Yeah. And it's more what do we have and how do we better use it? Yeah. So companies are looking to make stronger, better use of the investments that they've made. That's not to say that they're not replacing things. Mm. But often now, especially with Composable, it's not that they're replacing the entire thing. Mm -hmm. They're adding something on to make it better. Yeah. Well, hallelujah to that finally, right? Because the three to five years. (laughs) Really, 20 years in. But it was, wasn't it? I mean, I'm I'm a CMO and there was always a reputation that the CMO would come in, say they wanted a new website, which meant ripping out the CMS. That made no sense whatsoever, right? And and so we're going to switch platforms. And you spend a year implementing it. You spend a year sort of getting to terms with it and thinking it's okay. spend a year getting unhappy with it and you're back again <laughs> into the market it's crazy well and then it's a three-year life cycle yeah. for a cmo or it used to be i think it's longer now <laughs> so then know. you start all I, over I, again I hear, but we've seen that i hear different stories i think it's shorter but anyway anyway so back to the original topic and what i was going to ask you actually it was something we used to ask on the podcast a bit and uh, we used to have a, a regular sort of chat with jeff and i'd say is something a wonderful no a one hit wonder or wonderful so this dxc thing what do you think is it a genuine category for these vendors is it a one hit wonder or is it wonderful and we should all be talking about dxc uh, <laughs> this is a tough one you know me yeah. i usually have a pretty strong point of view on yeah, things yeah. i th- i i think we're splitting hairs yeah um, i think we should be talking about maybe dxt digital experience technology wow Another TLA, man. <laughs> you know, right? Just what we need. Yeah. Three-letter acronym for those of you yeah. who are not up on TLA. Yeah. Um, and I, I think we're splitting hairs. Right. right. Honestly, because I've always been of the mind that a digital experience platform or whatever you want to call it yeah. is not one thing. It is a, it's, it's a consolidation. It's a conglomeration of technologies that service the entire organization to deliver those experiences. So whether you want to talk about composability at the minutia level, which is what these guys are talking about, yeah. Um, yeah. or whether you're talking about composition in a, in a big picture. Yeah. I, I think it's, you know, great for those who, who are part of the DXC community. Mm-hmm. I know several vendors, even some of the vendors I work with were mm-hmm. very happy about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think it's just, it's muddying the waters. And I just, I think like DXP, I don't think anybody's going to be knocking on TCA's door saying I need help selecting a DXP. There's another TLA, TCA. (laughs) That's right. And and we know some bright folks that are talking about DXC. And so I want to like it um, because I like some of the folks that are talking Mm -hmm. about it. Uh, and some of the vendors, but I'm just, I'm, I, I really think you, that you need to talk about value to the buyer. What's the value to the buyer in this thing? Let's, let's, let's move away from the TLAs a little bit. Try telling yeah, any, agreed. try telling any Martech vendor that when they put their website together. <laughs> um, but anyway, thank you very much, Kathy. We've won, we've won, run way longer than I usually do. And so I hope the listeners really enjoyed our conversation. Um, I certainly did. Um, But when people spin the dial on the interwebs and they want to learn a little bit more about you, maybe work with the TCA, TLA, where are they going to find you? 
<laughs> uh, so our website is contentadvisory.net. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have lots of great resources there and information about us. And of course, there's a form you can reach out and, and, and connect there. I am on LinkedIn. You can also find me on my own podcast, which is unchartedjourneys.net. I have amazing interviews me and too. conversations with uh, fantastic women. Um, so you can check me out there and, um, yeah, I've got webinars and speaking. If you Google Kathy McKnight, you'll find me. Well, I'll include all your links in the show notes, especially to your podcast, which I find absolutely delightful. Um, I do feel like I'm, I'm intruding somewhat, but I I really enjoy the conversations you have. And so, and I'm, I'm telling everybody about your podcast. Um, so thank you very much, Kathy. I look forward to having you on the show very soon. Um, have a lovely rest of your day. Thank you very much. You too, Ian. Cheers. Bye-bye. Cheers. Thank you, Kathy. That was fun, diving to all sorts of rabbit holes and riding some of our favourite hobby horses there. I hope you liked it. And I will, of course, include all of Kathy's links in the show notes, and I strongly recommend giving her podcast a listen. And there's no let up on the topic of content or the content advisory this week, as it's time to wind down the week in the Rockstar CMO Virtual Bar and join my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose, for a cocktail and a marketing thought. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello, my friend, and welcome to the bar. It is... uh... It's been a long week. It feels like I don't know. It's been, you know like we're actually having to work for a living, which is uh, <laughs> it's very it's, you know, it's very disconcerting um, about this whole thing. You know that they, people actually expect us to do work. Oh my um, god! Yeah, but uh, but no, we have a we have a lovely uh, a lovely cocktail uh, mm-hmm. to uh, to to talk through um, the this evening, mm-hmm. and. It, it's it's as basic as basic gets. Good. Um, we're calling it, it, it. Well, it's not that basic, I suppose. <laughs> it, 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 it's. I'm sure you'll have all the ingredients in your desktop. Uh, this is called a ranch rosé, um, and this is a, a a fun drink. So you may have heard, maybe you haven't, but it's a very popular drink here in the west uh, of the U.S. and in the south. It's called ranch water. Oh, right. And I think you've had ranch water, water is, on here before because I remember we have had ranch water on yeah. the show. Yes, yes, we have definitely had ranch water in this bar. Yeah. Um, and so ranch water, for those of you who may have missed that show or mm-hmm. don't know, is uh, a sparkling water, mm-hmm. and you get very evangelic uh, people who say it has to be Topo Chico, which That's is right. a Mexican uh, yeah. ranch water. Yeah. Um, and so. You uh, you have that, and so you Topo Chico. Then you basically put that on ice, and then the ranch water is a very small amount of uh, tequila, usually a Blanco tequila. <laughs> and it's the kind of thing that you drink on a hot summer day, and you can drink just a lot of it because you drink it like water. <laughs> and and basically, the the fact that you don't have very much tequila in there. <laughs> Is, uh, is is really what is great because you can basically drink it all day. And mm-hmm. that's why they call it ranch water. It's, it's ostensibly what the workers would come back and drink when they were done, you know, on their horses and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we take that idea yes. uh, of the ranch water. And, of course, we put way more alcohol into it than <laughs> we normally put in. Yes. This is a very special version of that. We call it ranch rosé because it's, the, it's made with the same thing. It's mm-hmm. a... Uh, Topo Chico start yeah. with uh, ice. Mm-hmm. Um, so you start there. And then, again, your favorite Blanco tequila, yes. whatever that is, because we're about to put all sorts of stuff in it, so it doesn't matter uh-huh. uh, if it has a good taste or not. So it's it's Blanco tequila in that case. Um, and then uh, either your, your choice of basically doing a blood orange muddle, in other words, muddling some blood orange, uh-huh. or you can do a blood orange uh, syrup. Mm-hmm. Um, and those blood orange syrup I find is not terribly easy to find and it's got a lot of sugar in it. So yeah. I like I prefer to find just some good blood oranges and, and crush them up and muddle them and get the juice yeah. and pour that in. And it makes a beautiful rosé wow. color. And then you just add a little bit of lime juice just to sort of take off the edge of mm-hmm. that. And uh, you are good to go with a very 
it's a pink drink, pink. I would say, but a rosé color mm-hmm. in, in nature, and we call that the Ranch Rosé. Well, I shall, um, <laughs> that sounds delicious. I shall attempt to make that very drink using only the ingredients in my desktop bar. So I'm going to start with the most English of tequilas, uh, some gin. Uh, oh no, ice! I gotta put the ice in first. You said right. So a bit of a bit of gin. Now um, I believe that we've agreed that blood oranges are very difficult to find uh, on my desktop bar. But the lovely people in at um, Fever Tree have um, have put the most English of blood oranges into their tonic water uh, called the cucumber. Ah uh, yes, the cucumber. Yes. yes. Uh, I have remembered this. This is a very multi-purpose vegetable that you have there in England. Uh, yeah, it's also it, a fruit, I think. Yes. Is cuumber a fruit or is it a vegetable? It's a vegetable, right? Uh, is it, is it? No, it's a fruit. It must be a fruit. Cucumber must be a fruit. Yeah, I don't know. Oh. But then that would mean that courgettes or zucchinis are also fruits, wouldn't they? That's right. I think this is a topic for a different podcast that we need to set up, which is fruits with Robert and Ian. Mm. All right, so uh, that's delicious. What are we calling this? We're calling that the Ranch Rosé. Oh, I'm not seeing the rosé, but I could definitely drink one of these every week. I suspect you might. (laughs) And where are we going to take these Ranch Rosés to? Ranch Rosés. Well, I think we... So I have been... I've been looking around at different places to go uh, because mm-hmm. while we appreciate very much the rain that we've been having here in Southern California, <laughs> uh, yeah. it has made for quite honestly a, a sort of very unique uh, situation where we haven't been able to get outside much, um, Jeez. which is, again, no one's complaining about it, but mm-hmm. uh, it has made me long for getting out into uh, some nice weather and, and maybe on the, along the lake. And what I found myself mm-hmm. browsing uh, as sort of a wish list of being where to go, and it feels like this is the right place for us to go, is the Amalfi yeah. Coast. Um, oh, and yes. I have never been there, and I would love to go there, and it just looks yes. actually spectacular. So I think the Amalfi Coast with a few of these little ranch rosés, and we're good to go. Yes. I think we might have problems finding that very special Mexican sparkling water, though. No, yeah, we won't find a Mexican restaurant there for sure, but that's okay. Uh, Rance, you know, the tequila and the blood orange is really all about yeah. the the taste. Yeah, so of maybe the... it'd be like a Peregrino or some sparkling. Well, there you go. Water. Yeah, a little Peregrino yeah. with a little tequila in it. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. you know, but here's the funny thing. I don't like tequila in, uh, in, in Peregrino. I've tried that. I've tried tequila in Peregrino, oh. and I don't care for it. Oh, well, we'd have to find some other kind of sparkling water or drink some of their fine red wine or any Do other... You... Lovely do you libations. do gin in Pellegrino, or I do you only do it, it in tonic water? Uh, I do it with uh, mostly with tonic water and uh, with uh, with lime because I I quite like a um, a gil, a gimlet a gimlet I should say I yes. quite like a, gi, a a gimlet so or, or <laughs> with um, or I don't mind sloshing a bit of um, uh, the other ingredient that makes a makes a martini. <laughs> whose name has escaped me for some reason. Vermouth. Yes. Ah, yes, that, yes. That Vermouth, that most Vermouth. rare and uh, obscure. Of, <laughs> of, yes, indeed. I think I've been drinking too many of these gin and tonics. I don't think there's any other drinks in the world. But yes. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, so I, like, I like my according gin According to your with, desktop bar, there aren't. Yeah. <laughs> I like my gin with tonic. I like my gin with lime. And I like my gin with vermouth. <laughs> there you go. I like it. <laughs> okay, so we're we're on the Amalfi Coast, uh, and uh, we're we're convincing them that we need to drink uh, a, a special kind of um, sparkling water with our drinks. Uh, and then once we're done with that, conversation turns to marketing. What are we going to be chatting about? Well, we're going to talk about something that is uh, hot on my mind uh, mm-hmm. these days, but it's it's fascinating that it has lost meaning. Uh, in so many in, in so many ways, the integrated marketing and communications, um, and it's you know for guys like you and me uh, mm-hmm. who have grown up in marketing for the last well, let's call it let's be nice to ourselves twenty years. <laughs> um, we have some gray in our hair to show it. You know, integrated marketing You've got and communications. Hair. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, very well. Um, 
you know, that had some meaning and it's, and it, and, yeah. and I find now that it has really lost its meaning in so many ways in so many businesses. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. So the, I've had a couple of clients over the last few months um, where there's this really interesting confusion among the marketing teams, this, you know, and we all know my marketing is largely siloed in larger organizations. Yeah. Um, but the interesting thing is, is that they ask themselves, what should come first? Is it the content that comes first or is it the campaign that comes first? Mm-hmm. In other words, when you start thinking about defining a campaign, do you build this promotional strategy around content assets to be created Mm-hmm. Or do you design the promotion and then assemble a bill of content assets that might support that promotion? Mm-hmm. And it, you know the classic version of the latter might be a new product launch, right? So you've yeah. got a new product launch, and you're going to design this promotional effort that's going to go out to you know paid advertising and all these things. A classic marketing campaign, and then you'd go, great. What are the content assets we need to support that? Yeah, and then the 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 former might be what is a little more common these days, which is we have this wonderful piece of content. Maybe it's a thought leadership yeah. seminar or, or it's a, uh, a, a, you know, a white paper or an ebook or whatever. And we need to design uh, a campaign to actually focus it. Yeah. So in one, the content is the product and in another, the other product is the product. Yeah. And so the interesting thing is, is that, so what's happening is, the different silos are looking at campaign start dates or the initiation of such at a different level. And I'll give you an example of this. We had one company who basically said, okay, they do their campaign for product marketing and for all their marketing campaigns. They do it like many companies do it at the beginning of their fiscal year. Mm-hmm. Um, and which is going to be four or five you know, months before the launch of the campaign. And they plan it all out and they say, this is what we're going to do. And these are the new products and this is what we're going to do, blah, blah, blah. But then what happens is, is that they can't communicate that to the people who are going to create the content assets until they start working on it. Right. Because they don't actually it all the way out what they do is they just say this is what we're going to do and we'll figure out what we're going to need when we need Mm -hmm. it so the content people are sort of in the dark they know this thing is coming but they don't really know what it is and by the way it changes 14 times before (laughs) they before they start it but then of course they don't they can't just sit there with their you know uh you know sitting on their hands so they end up developing all these content pieces like thought leadership Mm and uh ebooks and stuff like that and they start putting campaigns around them that then start to conflict with these other campaigns that are going on. Sometimes they're in conflict. Sometimes they're just really weirdly timed. Sometimes they're, they can't do other things because there's, you know, bandwidth and resource constraints. And so the question is when you see this organization, they go, the people who are putting together these campaigns, they see the high quality, expensive ebooks and white papers as distractions from their product marketing right. campaigns because it they just don't see the return on it because they're not yeah. part of it. And then the content team is often rushing through trying to build these assets to support the product marketing campaigns because they're coming in late at the eleventh mm-hmm. hour and they need you know these assets yeah. done. And basically, they're not thinking what can we do that's really cool. They're basically saying what can we do to meet the deadline. Mm-hmm. As a result, those that content looks kind of crappy mm-hmm. in 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 comparison, and so you end up with the thing that's getting the most promotion is the thing that's the poorest and most ill conceived. Right. But it's the shiny. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's and nobody's. Yeah. And so, what I find is is that we have to go all the way back to integrated marketing communications planning. Right. So when we start thinking, well, that's what solves that. Well, it's planning IMC. It's a classic going all the way back um, to understanding what integrated communication starts with. And it starts with content. Now, here's the thing. When we start looking at it, I I, I went out and did this exercise where I Googled up integrated marketing Mm -hmm. communications. Mm -hmm. What you get these days, if you do this, and it's fascinating, by the way, Google that. And what you'll see is it really, what is, the definition has come to mean, it doesn't mean this, by the way, but what most people sort of ascribe the definition of integrated marketing communications is, is aligning your message across yes. multiple channels. In other words, having the same message across multiple uh, yeah. channels, which of course it is that too, but that is not the only yeah. thing it is. In other words, in my former messy sort of thing that I just outlined, it's easy enough to make sure that you're 
basically all saying the same thing. But if you're saying the same things at different times and different ways and different levels of quality, it doesn't matter that you're saying the yeah. same thing. In other words, it doesn't matter if your brand message is consistent if everybody's putting out crappy yeah. content. Yeah, yeah. And so the key is to go back to our professor, Don Schultz, the father yeah. of integrated marketing communications, yeah. who um, in one of his many books basically said integrated marketing communications is a process. It is the planning, development, execution, and evaluation of coordinated, measurable brand communication programs mm -hmm. over time. That's integrated marketing communications. In other words, start with content and get aligned on what the content is going to be, both from the need for campaigns that promote and also from the assets that are going to be needed to support yeah. that promotion. Yeah. Now, we're all on the same page. All campaigns are starting at the same time, same footing, same messaging architecture. So they are aligned in that yeah. way. And now when things change at the 11th hour, it's not that there aren't implications, but at least everybody has the implications together. Right. We're all, it, it's a, it's, it's a coordinated mess. <laughs> and that's, that real, that's the real key yeah. is to, to start there. Yeah, yeah. So, so from your perspective, the integration there, um, and I agree with you because that is where classically one's mind drifts to because of the new way that we define marketing is that integrated means integrated across multiple channels. But you're saying it's more of an integrated across the process and teams and what you're trying to drive um, rather than like the distribution. Well, it's more than just the message, yeah. right? It's more than just the yeah. message. You know what we what what you tend to get when you when you look around for integrated marketing communications yeah. and you say to a brand you say hey are you integrating your marketing and communications yeah. their immediate reaction is yes <laughs> because we are aligning our message across multiple yes. channels yeah exactly that's lovely but if everybody's doing it at different times and out of coordinated yeah. step with each yeah. other that doesn't yeah. matter in other words if the thought leadership team is talking about one yeah. thing and the product marketing team is talking about another thing and you're all competing for the same eyeballs, well then you're not doing yourselves any good. And and it's it's it is one voice saying the same thing, but it's one voice saying something at the same yeah, time. Yeah, and, yeah. And and the distribution is just you're distributing your shit more efficiently. <laughs> that's well, right. Exactly. So you're integrated in you're exactly. now multi uh, omni channel rubbish content. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, that's well, that's yeah. exactly. Well, right. that's excellent. And um, uh, I, I, and yeah, well, that. But uh, we were chatting just before I hit record about books and and the old school way of doing things. Not the old school. I don't mean that. But some of these frameworks have stood the test of time. And this this is one of those, isn't it? I mean, when you refer to Don Schultz and stuff. Totally. Yeah. yeah. This is absolutely one of those yeah. frameworks. I mean, you know, Professor Schultz had so many amazing things that he talked about. You know, the frameworks of in terms of how to align your integrated marketing communications to create a process of a better process. It's basically creating a better process. And we've lost a lot of that in our, you know, one of the things that has happened over so many years, uh, you know, in the last 20 years, let's call it since you and I were, <laughs> you know, either had brown hair or hair <laughs> and is the flattening of many marketing organizations yeah. where, everybody kind of does their own thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm my, my little tweetable thing that I get known for is when I say, you know, content is everybody's job and nobody's strategy. Yeah. And the, the, the thing is we have come, the business has come to assume that content is easy yeah. and that it is the, it is the promotion yeah. and the marketing campaigns that are hard when it's actually quite the opposite. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I love that. And so when people are searching for well thought out, well planned, integrated content that's written by you, where might they find that? <laughs> well, they won't find any of that stuff written by me. Um, if they want, if they want content written by me, I can point you to where, whether it's inspirational or uh, well tuned or not. I'm, I'm not, I'm not so sure about that. But you can find us on uh, our little website, which is contentadvisory.net. And this week is a contentadvisory.net takeover because we just had Kathy on the show. So, so yeah. the listeners heard the words contentadvisory.net a few times today, uh, this morning. That's so, right, and well, and we have it, and it's been, and we're we're getting much better about keeping it. Yeah, too, no, so no, some that. great posts on it recently, actually. And I must say that. So, yeah, people should check it out. And when people 
spin the dial on the interwebs. Where are they going to find you, my friend? They're going to find me on LinkedIn. Yeah, it, it is. I've, I've, I have been really enjoying my time <laughs> on LinkedIn and doing yes. the networking there and yeah. all sorts of wonder. It's a great virtual place to, to go get, yeah. uh, get connected into. And I'm probably coming back to Twitter. I'm, I'm oh, probably cave in and come back to Twitter in the next couple of weeks here. So we'll wow. see by the time we ne- meet in the bar next, whether I've come back to Twitter. Or that's not. new. That's news because uh, I just heard on this old marketing, you were contemplating it, your own podcast that also comes out today, us recording this. So yeah, that's, that's new news. But for me, I don't care whether you're on Twitter or LinkedIn. Are you going to be in the bar next week? I indeed will be. I look forward to it, my friend. I'll see you then. Thank you, Robert. A great example of the value of the classics there. Integrated marketing and content. So that's a wrap on episode 157 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. Thanks to Kathy and Robert for sharing their insight. And to you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and driving along there. Please let us know what you think. You can contact us through our website, rockstarcmo.com. Catch us on the socials. We are Rockstar CMO or leave a rating or review in your favorite podcast app. We've had a few recently. I really appreciate them. Or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, as Jeff continues his vacation, I'm planning on a similar format to this week with an extended chat with Teresa Regley, a strategic advisor best known for her work in digital asset management. And I'll wind down the week with Robert Rose in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar. Until then, have a great week. And I hope you can join us here next week on Rockstar CMO this podcast is heard along the marketing podcast network for more great marketing podcasts visit marketingpodcasts.net